When I was in high school, I knew a guy by the name of Randy Burton. And Randy Burton and I became friends. We had uh, some things in common. We had music in common. He was a guitar player, and I'm a guitar player. And I used to tease him that I'm the better guitar player. But uh, no, um, Randy became a good friend of mine. He's a dear brother, good friend. And um, he's got a church, as I think many of you know, right here at Northview Assembly. And uh, just a, a great Christian man, and, and I love him. And, and uh, you know, um, I haven't known Randy's son, Eric, very well until recently. And he and I have kind of bumped into each other and had some pleasantries along the way for the last several years. And he was here for a couple of our prayer meetings that we had just a few months ago. And we bumped into each other at the National Day of Prayer and said, man, we got to get together. And so we did the other morning. And um, we had some breakfast together, and he started sharing some scripture with me, uh, actually a scripture in Joel that I preached on here before, and he brought some, out some additional insights, and man, something just began to rise up in me, and just, I said, you got to come preach that at our church. Uh, yeah, so uh, he's here this morning. That was Monday that we had breakfast, and I said, can you come this Sunday? And uh, so he's here. And so uh, I don't know what the Lord's got in mind. Uh, Eric's got a, a parachurch ministry, meaning that, that even though obviously he's connected with his dad, his, his ministry is separate from his dad. Groundbreakers Ministry, is that right? Groundbreaker International. And so uh, he'll tell you a little bit more about that. But uh, his, uh, he travels around a lot. He's not in Columbus you know, for any long stretches of time because he's out traveling all the time and ministering. And so uh, I wanted him to come here. He's a local kid. And uh, when I say kid, how old are you now? 38. He's 38. See, I always call Eric a young man. That I, I, just, I'm, I told Randy, I said, I just, I'm just so impressed with that young man. He's 38 years old. I mean, what, it's, it is all relative, isn't it? Well, you know, the older that you get, the younger everybody else looks, right? <laughs> so... He's a great man of God, so sincere. The Lord's walked him through some dark and, and fiery places, and, and uh, he's come out on the other side victorious. I'm just so proud of what I see God doing in you, Eric. And so come on up, brother, and let's uh, turn this mic over to you and minister. Let me pray for you real quick if I could. Father, I thank you for this dear brother, this man of God. I thank you for the heritage of his father that he is carrying on, the torch that has been passed on to him that he is carrying. And so, Lord, I bless him. I lay hands on him now and just confer upon him an extra measure of anointing. I know he's an anointed man already, but, Lord, just let it go up to a new level today, just as his ministry name implies, Breakthrough International. I pray that there would be a breakthrough for this man of God today a breakthrough for his ministry today, a breakthrough for his family today, a breakthrough even for his dad and his church today, and Lord, a breakthrough for this church today because you've ordained him to be here for just such a time as this, and we are confident, and Lord, we extend our faith today for something different today, a, a, a breakthrough in our church, something new that is conferred upon this ministry today, a turning point, and then this 
ministry, a turning point, not just in this ministry, but in the people that attend here, Lord, in the families that represent this church, in the individuals that represent this church, from young to old, and every single person that's here, and even some of those that are not here this morning, we pray, Lord God, that there would be a special outpouring of your Holy Spirit, your manifest power, your glory, uh, demonstrated in ways that we've not been used to before. That's what we're looking for, Lord. We're tired of playing church. No more plastic, fantastic, Lord. This is the time. This is the place. And this is the man of God that you've ordained just for just such a time as this. And we thank you for him, Lord, and ask you to bless this time together and put your words in his mouth and your power in his hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in here? Come on. Well, sure is good to be here. Um, I've been, you know, as Pastor said, I was in the building here a couple times before for a prayer service. And then I think I dropped in sometime last year or something just to hang out with you guys and uh, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of friends here you know being in a a smaller community I know a lot of people don't think as Columbus is a small community but in comparison it, it's a fairly small community you know 50, 40 50,000 people um, you run into a lot of people and um, so I've got a lot of friends here today amen a lot of you are friends hopefully I don't have any enemies out there I don't know uh, I did see Pam Hall I don't know where she was <laughs> she <laughs> yeah jaws back there I, I'm gonna pick on Pam like a lot today by the way uh, um, Pam, <laughs> but who I mean come on who doesn't pick on her come on I mean you have to. Pam, you know, I just want to say, say this because the Bible does say to give honor where honor is due. And uh, at the very beginnings of our church, my dad's church, which used to be Crossroads Assembly of God, now it's Northview Church. Um, you know, Pam was there really during the, the beginning. I mean, just the, the real early stages of the church. And... You know, we talk about what God has done over the past 27 years there, and especially over the past decade, brother. We talked some about that the other day. But, um, you know, I just want to honor today um, her as my friend. She was there, and um, our family so appreciates you and what you did for us. You were so good to us, and you've always been so good to me, even though I pick on you a lot. But that's part of the love, amen? That's part of the love. But I just want to, can we give her a, a hand clap? Because I, she poured a lot into my life and our family's life. I'm so appreciative for Pam Hall and her husband, Steve. Praise God. You know, a lot of you, I could go on and on, a lot of you in here today had part in, in what's going on over there now, kind of the building blocks of that, and I'm so appreciative of all of you, and um, and Pastor Andy, uh, you know, being friends with my dad for so long, and my mom, my mom said, well, I've known him a long time ago, you went to Christian camp together, and um, and her cousin Vicki Bryant, you know, uh, and so, I mean, wow, this guy, he must be be real young, right? <laughs> he thought I was a young guy until I said my age. And then, <laughs> praise God. 
Um, I'm not going to keep you a long time with the preliminaries today. I want to get into the Word of God, but I do want to share just a, a couple of quick things with you. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Eric Burton. We have a ministry called Groundbreaker International. You can learn more about that later. If you go to our website, check out gbreaker.org, and that's just the letter G and the word breaker, B-R-E-A-K-E-R dot O-R-G. And uh, from there, you can kind of see what we're about, our ministry is about. We do travel a lot. Before the pandemic, we traveled overseas, and uh, we, we are praying that that starts back up again very soon as things, countries begin to open up. We've been in a few different countries here and there several times, and uh, God just uses us. But I wish I had time to tell you the testimony of how we're here. I really don't. Uh, Pastor and I talked about it over breakfast earlier this week, and it's a long story, isn't it, brother? But all the details kind of go hand in hand. All the details matter. Um, because a lot of you that, that knew me before probably are, are like, wow, how in the world did that, do? be quiet, how in the world did that kid <laughs> become, you know, I'm not saying I'm prominent or anything, but become just to the level of where we're at today, because I'm a totally, completely different person than I was even 10 years ago, brother, five years ago. God has continued to bring us to uh, other places, right, brother Steve? I mean, and it's all because of getting into the glory of God. I'm telling you, getting into the river of God's presence and not getting out. I got swept up in a move of God over 10 years ago uh, that started over in Terre Haute, Indiana at Cross Tabernacle Church with Keith Taylor. And some of you all, all of you know uh, Keith. And then it spread down to my dad's church here in Columbus and has been kind of an ongoing outpouring. We call it the outpouring of Holy Spirit. You know why they called it the outpouring, Pastor? is whenever uh, Keith Taylor and Michael Livengood, who you'll probably be talking to soon, uh, whenever they talked about what to call what was going on over there in Terre Haute, uh, they really felt like they weren't supposed to call it a revival. And the Lord told them, don't call this a revival. Why? Because people, when they hear the word revival, they get certain connotations in their head of what that means and looks like. Many times if I said to many of you, uh, we're going to, you know, there's a revival going on. What are the things that come up in your mind? There's a special guest evangelist or speaker. It's extended meetings, you know, all these kind of things. Well, guess what? That's not what was going on there. It wasn't just a revival. It wasn't just a special uh, time of meeting. There was a move of God that was going on. So the Lord told them to call it outpouring. Because what is outpouring? Outpouring is simply what happened when the prophet Joel in chapter 2 prophesied that there was going to be a pouring out in the last days of the Spirit of God on all flesh. And guess what? It came to fruition in Acts chapter 2. Amen? And guess what? It never stopped. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit never stopped. But the problem is, is the church has gotten far off track from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. For so long that we've gotten so far away from Acts chapter 2 and what that looked like that anything, you know, this, this last 10 years, all we're doing is just going deeper and deeper into the presence of God and let God pull things out, throw things away and put things in that he wants in. 
Amen? Is this following the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Well, it looks like whatever God does in the moment. Sometimes it, it, it doesn't look um, like something that fits within the box of normal church, Pastor. It doesn't always fit within the realm of what things look like. So because of being involved in that, of truly touching the glory of God, that's why we are where we are today. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I've got some special anointing. It's not because I'm just some favored of God person. It's simply because I touch the glory and I keep touching the glory. And every time I touch the glory, God keeps bringing us up. It just transforms and changes your life, church. The manifest presence of God will change your life. If you're touching the true live wire, the Holy Ghost, on a continual basis, day in and day out, it's not just a church service. It's a lifestyle. When you continually touch that, you will be transformed. Not you might. You have to be. Amen? So... That's just a little bit about why I'm here. Just simply a servant of the Most High God today. So honored to serve you. I want to put you in mind just real quick of our table in the back after service. I'll be back there. Um, I've got a few books, a few resources. We just started to kind of kick this thing back up over the last uh, over the last month, and so. I've got a few things back there, resources that you might want to check out. Uh, we're, we're growing this, getting ready to release a new book as well on the Hebrew alphabet, God will, in this year. Um, working on some other things, possible videos, DVDs, things like that. Uh, and uh, you can also, back there, there's a little sign with a QR code reader that you can click that and sign up to become a ministry partner. It doesn't cost you anything. That's all optional. If God leads you to give something, that's fine. But we want you just to be updated on what our ministry is doing. Is that all right, Pastor? Just just what's going on within our ministry. And so you can pray for us and we can pray for you. Uh, I will highlight just this one book that I brought. I've got at least uh, three other ones back there. But uh, the realm of healing is stories and strategies of God's healing power. Got a lot of uplifting faith raising material in here. These are stories of, of what God has done through our ministry and other ministries over the past 10 years. Um, and I could add a lot to this because God's healing all the time. Amen. And so it's, it's not hard to fill out more of a book. This was written about three years ago. And if you need a healing in your body, or you know someone that does, or you would like to pray for other people's healing, and you don't know where to start, or you need some help, you need your faith lifted, this is a great book for you. I tell the story in there about some healings on the Gulf Coast. Uh, when I was down there for about eight weeks, I got caught on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi, uh, a few years ago, and a lot of miracles happened down there. There was a, a lady that was in a car accident that was completely, she was on a cane. She couldn't hardly walk. She couldn't hardly move, and she had grandkids that she would try to take care of, and she couldn't hardly take care of them. During those meetings, the Spirit of God broke out in that place, and that lady came off of the cane and has not went back on a cane since. Come on, somebody. So a lot of great stories in here, local, some local stuff, some things overseas, uh, the, a lady that was healed of fibromyalgia, of uh, all kinds of different things. So pick this up uh, in the back. It's just $10 plus tax after service today. Amen. 
Praise God, commercial's over, let's go. I don't like doing the commercials, but it's a necessity because, you know, people, God uses materials like that, Pastor. I know you've written some books as well, and God has, has used you in that area. Let's turn to the book of Joel chapter 2. Speaking of Joel chapter 2 today, we're going to read just two verses, but I'm going to expound on them. It's verses 12 through 13. Pastor Andy, thank you so much for having me today. It's just an honor to be here with, with friends in, in the body of Christ. Joel chapter 2, verses uh, 12 through 13. And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And whatever version you have is fine, but this one's the easiest to uh, translate words into. Now, a lot of you who know me know that I do a lot of Hebrew teaching and breakdown. I've got a YouTube channel in which I do a lot of that. You can check that out as well through our website. So I'm going to be breaking down some deep stuff today. How many of you want to go deep today? Amen. All right, let's go. Verse 12 here, Joel chapter 2, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. Everybody say heart. heart. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Now here's the key part right here in verse 13. So rend your heart. Everybody say rend and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your power that works in your word, Lord. And I release today the power of the Holy Spirit to open up every heart, every ear, every mind, body, soul, and spirit. Come under the unction of the Holy Spirit today and come into alignment with the word of God. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here today to do what you want, to do what you please with your people. We thank you, God, that you're here right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so I want to talk to you today about something that, that was put on my heart a couple of months ago from a friend of mine from New Zealand whose name is uh, Graham Renoff. How many of you know of Graham? He's been here before, a few of you. Uh, Graham is crazy, for one thing. He's a crazy New Zealander. Uh, if there ever was a prophet, Graham is one of them. If I would say somebody holds an office of a prophet, I now if he were here, he'd go, oh, brother, forget all that titles and stuff, just function. And, and that's just Graham the way he is. But I was, I was talking to him one day via FaceTime, and I asked him the question. I said, Graham, so I pretty much know the answer to this, but I want to hear what you have to say. I said, we've been to a lot of places all around the world, all over the United States. We've seen God move, and God has used many of our ministries to break ground, to break things open in the spirit in different places. I said, but what is the deal when you go into a place and you get a breakthrough, brother? I mean, you could, I've been into dead, dried up churches before that just have no power of the Holy Spirit moving. And God, that's one reason why God calls us Groundbreaker International. We break things. I break stuff. I like to break stuff. Quiet. <laughs> I love you, Pam. But. I said, what's the deal? You go into these churches and you get a breakthrough and you see God moving, but then 
You come back later and things sometimes aren't even, you know, like they were. Sometimes they're even worse. They go even to more of a dead, dried up place. I said, what is the deal with that? Why is it that you can go to places sometimes and you're just working and you're trying to get a breakthrough and you're trying to strive for a move of God? And it seems like you can work on that place for years and nothing happens. You might have good services, but you don't have transformation. You don't have true change. And he said this to me, and it hit my spirit because I knew it was true. He said, brother, he said, their hearts aren't rendered to God. He said, their hearts aren't truly rendered to God. He said, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. He said, but, but Graham, you go in there and they'll receive you. They'll receive you. Yeah, but their hearts are to a place to where they're ready to rend, to give everything to him. You see, church, I believe that that's a problem that we've had for a long time in the church is that we think that we're good because we, we pray a little prayer. We can, oh, if we're Pentecost or charismatic, we pray in the Holy Ghost. We see God heal a body here or there. We see a salvation, a sign, a wonder, a miracle here or there. And we think, oh, we're just doing such a great job. We're just, just the church is on the move. I'm here to tell you something. And this is not a slam to you at all. This is more of a blanket statement, maybe to the whole entire United States of America. I've been to other countries before. I was in the Philippines right before the pandemic broke out, and it kind of ruined me. I was kind of ruined over, over that trip. I, I turned to my dad while I'm seeing uh, people getting healed and saved and set free. And these little Filipinos, and all of them are about that big. And, and they're doing backflips and they're throwing themselves on the altar going after God as hard as they can. And people, the entire building is literally, you feel it shaking. So if you don't jump up and down with them, you get a little bit dizzy. Literally thought the building was going to fall apart. We're up on the top floor, and here's the building doing this. And I turn over my dad, and these people are screaming hard, going after God, and they're seeing results. I turned over to him. I said, why did you bring me here? <laughs> he goes, and he just laughed. And then, and then Jordan Cunnington, some of you know Jordan. He's an evangelist that's sent out of my dad's church as well. He's a young guy, brother. He's the young one. He's in his 20s. <laughs> Jordan goes up to my dad and he goes, Pastor, you shouldn't have brought us here. <laughs> he goes, we don't want to leave this place because the people are receiving God before you ever, you don't have to lay hands on them or anything. They're just receiving the power of God and you can feel the glory of God in the place. You can see the cloud of glory. But man, whenever, they are such an honoring people. You start laying hands on people and it's just like cordwood. People are just out everywhere. Now, Here's what I'm trying to say. And I'm not saying they have it all together or any country. But here's what I have to say. Here in the United States, we think we're good if we clap our hands. We sing our songs. We do our little praise dance. We do our little things. But where are the results at? Church, where are the results at? You see, I don't want to see, I, 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 I'm not big into just having good church services. In fact, let me just make this statement. I made it before. I don't care about church. 
Don't care about church services. What I want to see is God transforming somebody's life. You can take your church services. You can throw them out the window. I'm not against church. I mean, my dad's a pastor. Come on. I'm not against church. I love the church. I pour my life into the church. But I'm tired of just the same old, same old. Hearts unrendered to God. Hearts that are not fully given over to the power of God to the point to where everything else is out the window. It doesn't matter. I want to see God transform your life to the point to where your life becomes transformative in the image of God to where you can pass that on to others. Your life is in such a way that people sense the presence of God on you and are transformed and changed. Several years ago, I I went to a restaurant after a church meeting. It was me and my dad and then a friend of mine, Keith Trump, and his daughter, and we went, they, they were visiting, and I can't even remember what was going on, but we went out to eat at Applebee's afterwards. And it was late at night, and I remember just a Holy Ghost service, man. I mean, it was powerful. God was doing some great things and healing people and different things. But after the service, we went, and we sat down just like normal preachers do, like, bring me my food. It's 11 o'clock. Come on. And we're sitting down there, and all of a sudden, this this young girl comes up to us. She's a waitress and she's got tattoos all over her arms and, and all this kind of thing. And she kind of smelled like smoke, you know, and, uh, she runs over to the table and she looks at us. We've never, we have no idea who this girl is. She looks at us, she puts her hands on the table and she goes, okay, what's going on here? We went, what are you talking about? She goes, there's some kind of spirit or aura at this table that I can't explain. And she said, I told the, the girls on the back, that's my table, because there's something there that I'm feeling that, that's real positive. Come on, somebody. Now, we didn't have to say a word. We didn't have to come in and say, we're the pastors, and this is a pastor from Indianapolis, and, and just so everybody knows in here, if you need prayer, you know, you come to us, and if you're not saved, you're going to hell. Let me just stand on this table and yell at you. We didn't have to do any of that. This woman felt the presence of God that we were carrying on us because we're carriers of the presence, amen? She felt the presence of God, came to the table, said that. We ministered to her. She breaks down crying, and she gives her heart over to Jesus Christ. Come on. It's not about who you are. It's about who's on the inside of you. So why does the prophet Joel say here, now therefore says the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to him and he says, turn to me with all your heart. Every bit of it. Everybody say all of it. No room left for the world. Every piece of it. Now, I'm not just speaking to the sinners here this morning. I'm speaking to the church. Because God's had to rearrange some things in my life. And even recently, I've found that more and more and more, the things I used to think were important are not so important. I loved sports. I mean, it's still fine. But with everything going on, political and all that, it's not an escape anymore. And I'm finding more and more that, that the things like that of this world just aren't as important as I thought they were. 
What's truly is important in these last days is seeing the Spirit of God being poured out on all flesh. And if we will rend our hearts completely to Him, give Him all of our heart, come on, then we can truly see a move of God. How many of you would love to see a move of God in the United States like never before? Okay. Well, wait a minute. Now, what's that look like? I, most of us pastor would be like... We'll have a hundred different ideas. We got 40, 50 people in here. We got a hundred ideas of what a move of God is supposed to look like. Here's the thing. We need to quit worrying about what it looks like and go after the one that's doing it. That's the problem. We're trying to manufacture. We're trying to push something. We're trying to go after a brass ring that you're never going to get. We're trying to go after the next Brownsville, the next Bay of the Holy Spirit, the, the next Toronto, the next Wales revival. We're trying, we know all of the revival history, but we're not ready to go to the next level with God ourselves. Oh, I just hit something there. Sorry, Pastor. You can clean that up later. <laughs> So rend your heart. What's that word mean? This is what I want to get into today. My watch is broken, by the way, so it's, it's continually 11 o'clock. What does that mean, rend your heart? Well, there's that word in Hebrew there, rend, it's made up of three letters. It's the kof, the resh, and the ayin. Now, let me give you just a little brief overview of what each of those letters mean. They, they can symbolize a whole lot of things. This Hebrew alphabet is super impactful, super cool, because it is the Word of God. How many of you know that the Old Testament was written in ancient Hebrew? Mostly. Mostly. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek. Old Testament written in Hebrew. There's power within the symbology of, of this language. You get to study it. Used to, I, I, would, I hear people say, oh, five is the number of grace, and, and this, and this, and this, and all these numbers. I'm like, oh, there was people fortune-telling? What is this? All this stuff. But you know what? When you begin to study out exactly what that means, it's, each of these 22 letters are containers of the character of God. And they're all interconnected in such a way that it could only, only be a supernatural being that, that created this. I truly believe that. The original language of, of ancient Hebrew, uh, it's gone through four different uh, structures, but the original original was oral. I mean, it's just an oral language that was passed down. I believe that ancient Hebrew was the original language that God spoke the world into existence. When he said, let there be light, and the light was good, come on, somebody. He, he wasn't just saying... Yeah, let them their waters come on down. Let the waters come on forth. Some of us think that, that God literally spoke that or spoke in King James. Thus saith the Lord, let the, thus the waters floweth into the earth. Did you know you're more spiritual if you put a TH at the end of every word? It's true, yeah. God didn't say, let them their waters come on down. God said the word ma'im, which means water. It's a picture of a mem, a yod, and a mem. The mem is open on one side and closed on the other side. And literally the mem, the original pictograph, was waves like water. Isn't that crazy? 
That's the word for water, is a closed body of water, open on one side, closed, and there's spiritual connotation as well. So what I'm telling you is, there's, there, you need to understand the significance of what I'm about to show you, okay? This is the real word for rend. This is really, truly the, the depth of when God said, rend your heart, what this means. This is vitally important. You get this, it's going to change your life. The cough, the letter cough, is a picture uh, of, and this is the funniest letter. It's a picture of a monkey with its tail hanging down. And it means wildness. No matter how crazy and out there things can get, God is always in control. All right? But then you have the resh, and the resh uh, starts the word rosh, which means first. And the resh is a picture of a bent-over person with his head bent over down, and it's a picture of humbleness. The resh means the first or chiefest or head of things because it's... He's bent over. And so there's a humbleness there. And then you have the iron, and the iron means the eyes. It means to see or behold something. And it's a picture of two eyes connected to a brain stem. And that's the literal meaning. Come on, that, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that, that's two optical nerves connected to the brain stem. That's how you see things. And that's literally the shape of this letter. And so you have the the kof, the resh, and the ayin. Now, here's what's interesting about this word uh, kara, which means to rend. There are, within this word, two words that are hidden in here. The the word kara has two words hidden. The kof and the resh together is the word kor, and it means cold. That's weird. Within the word rend... You have the word cold on one side. Now, where does that come in? I'm going to show you. Now, on the other side, you have the resh and the ayin, and that's the word raw. Now, the word raw means evil. So you got cold on one side of this word ren, and you have evil on the other side. Now, something really interesting, the word raw, uh, the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians had a sun god. He was the chiefest of gods. Come on, the first, the head, the chiefest. And he was the god of the sun, and his name was Ra. Just telling you, it's an interesting tidbit. All this stuff interconnects. So you have evil on one side, you have cold on the other. Now, what in the world... Does that have to do with the word ren? Well, Jesus gives us a clue. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to go to verses 12 through 13 in that chapter. Have I lost y'all yet? Are you still here? I'll tie it in together. I promise you, I'll tie it together. Might sound like a bunch of mumbo jumbo right now, but I'll get there. Matthew 24. Verses 12 through 13. This is what Jesus says is going to happen today. Everybody say now. Are we in the last days? If we aren't in the last days, uh, we've never been in the last days and the Bible's a lie. Amen. This is the last days. This is what Jesus said was going to happen in the last days. Now, this is the New Testament. This is many, 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 many hundreds of years after the prophet Joel spoke this Uh, word of the Lord about God saying to rend your heart and not your garments. Jesus says, and because lawlessness, evil, lawlessness, what's lawlessness mean? Evil, lawlessness. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow. Come on. 
Now watch this. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So karah, to rend, is a picture of cold evil. Cold, lawless evil is hidden within this word. But look at the definition of the word in your Strong's Concordance of that word karah, or to rend. And it means to tear into pieces. To absolutely rip into pieces, to tear asunder, to cut open. Here's what the Lord spoke to me when I saw this. In the last days, we're going to have a form of godliness. In the last days, there's going to be cold, lawless evil. Even within the church, he wasn't just talking about outside the church. Jesus is also speaking because he knew that within the church, there would be Facebook. He knew that within the church, there would be backbiting and fighting and coldness. I've never seen in the past year and a half, Pastor, so many people of God that are divided over the stupidest things. Things that don't matter. Things that the enemy uses to divide like a little piece of cloth. It's all division. Don't care. Jesus said in the last days, you're going to see lawlessness. Come on, defund the police. Why are, they, why are they wanting to take the law and order out of the United States? Because they, that spirit, the spirit of, of Satan, the spirit of the Antichrist... Wants that lawlessness to happen. It's already been prophesied that there would be no law in order. He was going to be the new face of law and order, the new face of morality, the Antichrist. So Jesus said, watch what's going to happen in the last days. Even within the church, you're going to see cold, lawless evil. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is what God showed me. God wants to take your cold, lawless, evil heart and tear it into pieces. Now, you should have given a bigger amen on that. Maybe I didn't deliver it as well. The only way to see God move in this world is for them to see the church as we know it in pieces on the ground. That's the issue, church. For so long... People have seen the church in the hypocrisy. They've seen us outside of the walls of the building through the week, not just sinning, but just not giving God any forethought. Not giving God the attention that he deserves. They know. You think sinners are stupid? Sinners are smart. They're too smart. Because they see what's going on inside the church is completely different than what's going on on the outside. Why? Because our hearts haven't been completely rendered to God. Well, Johnny's baseball game is, is on Wednesday or on Sunday, so pastor, we can't be at church because that's, sorry, it's more important than what God wants to do. There's no expectation that God just might want to heal your son or save them or fill them with the Holy Ghost 
Or that God might want to completely change your family. Where's the expectation at that God can actually really do something? That he's not just some pie in the sky uh, father that just sits out there and that we ask for favors every once in a while. I'm telling you, I've seen the other side of this. People who truly want a move of God, and many times it does not look the way the church thinks it should. How many of you have heard of what's going on uh, with uh, the We Will Worship movement with Sean Foyt? Foyt, I don't know how to say his name. Has anybody heard of this guy? Pam knows. Yep. It's crazy because it started during the pandemic because the church was under some persecution and they wouldn't in California let churches meet. And so what happens is, is this worship leader uh, who came out of Bethel ended up just setting up a worship team on the beach and started playing, started praising God and worshiping him. Now, look, I've seen people do that before and they'll get out on the beach and they'll go, oh, this is beautiful. Let's sing Kumbaya and have a nice little worship service here. And, And then they all go home and go, that was pretty. That was pretty. Let me tell you something. I'm so sick and tired of pretty church. I'll be honest. Pretty church hasn't worked. Has it ever worked? It's a form of godliness. But where's the power at? But Sean Foy, who's connected with some friends of ours, Eddie James Ministries, those guys right now are traveling together some, and they're going to city after city after city, and they're just setting up in city centers outside. Come on. And they're praising and worshiping, and they're not having a nice little prayer gathering. They're having... Church. People, when they set up, will come from all around. They'll hear the music. And one of my favorite things, one of my favorite videos early on when this happened, they had a lot of atheists that came against them. A lot of witchcraft and people that would try to come and they would try to disrupt what they were doing because it wasn't inside a church building. It was out in a park. Anybody can come at you there, right? It's a public place. And so they had atheists that would throw blood on them and they would, they would kick their drum sets over and, and, and kick their instruments over and try to destroy them. And they would just keep praising harder. They'd pick up that break, broken guitar and they'd turn it up louder. They'd pick up those busted drums and they would crash the cymbals even louder. And they would scream and they would jump and they would shout. And they would go after God and the glory of God would fall. And hundreds of people have gotten saved through this. Have y'all heard of this? This is happening right now. One of my favorite videos, though, while this was going on, there was an atheist, a young man, and he was, God love his heart, he's probably in his 20s, and he gets up on top of the hill, and these people are going nuts, man. I mean, they're jumping, they're running, they're going after God, they're sending their praise up to heaven, and this, this cat is out of breath on top of the hill watching them. And he goes, I don't understand it. He's on Facebook Live and he goes, and he's using expletives. And he said, these blankety blank people are crazy. <laughs> and you can still see him jumping and stuff in the background. And, he's go- and they're loud, man. It is not quiet. They're hard going after God. And he's going... These people, he said, we've screamed at them, we've cursed at them, we've shouted obscenities at them, and they just scream louder. 
They just shout harder. What's wrong with him? And he starts to get tears in his eyes. With his, his breath is out of him because he's given everything he can to come against the move of God. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. When you truly see God touching you and moving in a place, it doesn't matter what the enemy does. There's too much observance going on of what's happened in the enemy's camp. I want to tell you something. I don't care what's going on in the enemy's camp. I want to see what God wants to do in his camp church. I want to see what God wants to do in Columbus, Indiana, in Terre Haute, in the United States, and all over the world. His true church is rising up in power. Where are you going to stand? Are you going to let God truly rip your heart to pieces? Maybe the baseball games don't matter quite as much. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe maybe the clubs and all the things that you used to think were important, the video games, and I'll have you know, pick whatever your favorite hobby or pastime is. I'm not saying they're bad. Everybody should have a pastime. But it needs to be within priority. And priority is not number one or number two. It's on down the line. But yet as the church, we are used to, hey, we're going to be good. Next Sunday we're going to come in. And we'll just miss it. We're going to do a lazy day this week, but we're going to come in. We're going to have a good time next week. And we'll just have a nice little passive. Ah, I felt the breeze of the Holy Ghost. I feel better now. God is not into you feeling better, church. God is into ripping your heart into pieces. Come on. If you truly want to see a move of God, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take a church at these altars. It's going to take a church at the altars in your homes and in your cars and in your workplaces and your schools. Church is not a one-time event. Outpouring is not a service. It's not a group of meetings. Outpouring is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living in the overflow of the power of God. I'm challenging you today. I am absolutely challenging you today to let God rip some things out of your life and reprioritize them. You say, well, brother, you're talking about sin, right? I'm talking about sin, but I'm also talking about other things that just need to move. There's some things in our lives, I guarantee you. There are things that, you know how I know? Because the entire city of Columbus is not completely under a move of God. Like we we are not all worshiping God 24-7. Right? So if that's the case, then we still have a further ways to go. Right? We're not there yet. We can go deeper. There are no shortcuts, church, to revival, awakening, outpouring, whatever you want to call it. There has to be a change of heart. It's not about uh, what, what I can do for you or pastor can do for you up here at these altars. I love it. I love the altar services. I love seeing God move. But I can't do anything for you. God has to change your heart. He has to change your attitude and your mind. But if you let him change your heart, all of that will come under alignment with his will. Am I preaching to anybody today? I know you are. That's just one of those things preachers say. I don't know. I don't know. 
You know, he says to rip your heart and not your garments. Don't you think that's interesting? It says, rend your heart or rip your heart into pieces, but not your garments. Reason for that is back in ancient times when something devastating would happen, the priest would rip their garments. But you see, garments, clothes are an outward thing. It's an external thing. It's not internal. So what God was saying, if you want to rip something, stop ripping your garments. Stop ripping your clothes and start ripping your heart out. If you want to destroy the works of darkness, stop focusing on the external things and start focusing on the internal. I'm going to say this, but I'm going to get a drink of water first. Now, I was here. We all prayed for the election, right? Praise God. I'm all about that. We got to pray for our leaders. We got to pray into all of that stuff. I absolutely believe that. With that being said, I want to make this statement. So many of us are truly dependent on a man or people for a move of God. I want to tell you this. I love Donald Trump. I'll just say it. I loved him. He was beautiful. He was a great president. Absolutely wonderful. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe, maybe not. But Donald Trump is not Jesus Christ. And Donald Trump did not come to save your sins. And Donald Trump cannot bring in a revival into this nation. That's your job. That's the job of the church. But we have depended. Well, we can, brother, we can't do it now. Oh, man, we've been defeated. Oh, we, the church is just all is lost. No. Now's the time for the church to really shine. There's a true church that's rising up, and there's also the false church that is being uh, absolutely divided into right now. We're seeing the true believers rising up. We're seeing the true ones that truly want to see God move in this nation that are beginning to rend their hearts. Many pastors are beginning to say, you know what? The programs don't work. The church growth 101 didn't work. All these other things didn't work. All we've got left is the power of God. That's all we've got left. We truly have to depend on the presence of God. And now pastors are getting desperate to see God move in their altars. Not all of them. Some of them going the other way. But the true church that in the end times will endure to the end is what Jesus said. The truly rendered, the ones who truly let God cut them into pieces on the ground. Not one move of God, church, has ever started by focusing on politics. Now, politics can be changed through a move of God, but we need to stop rending our garments and focusing on the external garbage of this world and start focusing on God. Get your eyes on Jesus. Get your eyes off of Fox News. Get your eyes off the lies of this world. All the external stuff. Some of y'all just need to shut your TV down. 
You are led too much by emotion and by fear, and you are not led by the true spirit of God. Now is the time of urgency right now. Look around you what's going on. Many people say, I feel something in the air. There's a shift. There's a change. Yes, the change is your position. Your position is being squeezed out. Comfort is being squeezed out. Just up in Canada, there was a pastor that was arrested for having church. Wake up. If you don't think it can happen in the United States, we've already seen a semblance of persecution starting to come. I call it pre-persecution, pastor. We're not fully there yet. True persecution, when they start putting your head on the chopping block, it's coming. It's coming. And you know the scary part? Most of us in the church can't pray a fly off a window seal let alone put our head on a chopping block for Jesus. That doesn't come through just resolute faith. Just I'm just going to be resolute. That comes through a continual relationship with Jesus to the point where you just don't care about anything else. You just don't care. Folks, I'm obsessed with the move of God. I am absolutely, I don't care about anything else. I've got some businesses and things, but you know what? All that's just a byproduct. That's just to keep us going until the end of time. I don't know how much time we've got left. So we've got to keep pushing, got to keep contending for the move of God. The real presence of God, it's not hard to tap into. But many of us in the church feel like we just can't get there. Why is this so hard? We, how, we're, we're trying to reach the brass ring. Maybe, Pastor, someday we'll reach revival. You're there. Just tap into it. You're in the period of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Just tap into it. I'm a product of that. My, our church, my, where we're sent out of, is a product of that. Because 10 years ago, my dad had resumes out to other churches. He was done, man. He was absolutely in an identity crisis, and it was because that move of God moved from Terre Haute, and, and because God moved them together, and it trickled down into Columbus, and the fire trucks came out. We, a lot of us know that story uh, uh, in the prayer room, and people were reporting fire, all that stuff. None of that happened because, well, I just, I like Northview. I just said, God, up here, I'm going to, this is my little pet, Northview. Now, blessed life, and uh, 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 let me name some others. Memorial Baptist. No, 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 no. But Northview's my pet. It didn't happen because of that. It happened because a pastor got real desperate. Real desperate because the doors were starting to close, brother. And he found out that all the church growth, this and that, didn't work. All the man-made garbage didn't work. All the manufactured this and that didn't work. The only thing that seemed to work was touching the hem of the garment. Ask the woman with the issue of blood. That's the only thing that worked for her. Touching the hem of the garment of Jesus. Touching the power of God. That's the only thing that's going to work in this city. And look, I'm all about, I love coming together and worshiping together, all that. But I'm going to be real honest, Pastor. I don't really care about unity services. Because a lot of times they're forced together. And I've seen unity services pushed. And then it just wrecks cities and it wrecks churches. 
Because what happens, then you got a bunch of transfer girls. Oh, I like Pastor Andy now. He's my friend. He actually talked to me. I don't like Pastor Randy anymore. He's bad. He made me mad. I, I like this. I pat, like Pastor Tracy. Which, Come on. Everybody loves Pastor Tracy. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I like this. One. I like that. Well, and all of a sudden, you got all this mixture. But here's the thing. I like coming together. But you know what I like more? I just want to see the city come under one banner, and that's Jesus Christ. That's all I care about. I want to see Columbus transformed. I want to see the pride flags coming down and burnt in the city streets because the manifest presence of God touched people in such a way they fell under conviction. I'm talking about the whole city. I want to see the politicians I want to see the mayor. I want to see Vice President Pence down on his knees. I want to see the mayor. I want to see the, the city politicians, not because of what we can do, but because of putting our faith in his strength, of touching the manifest presence. So this morning, I got a question for you. Do you want to see a move of God? You want to see God move in this city? What's well, not going to happen because Northview's doing or the Blessed Life's doing or this doing or that church is doing. It's going to ha happen because you're going after it. That's it. It is not going to be one church or one denomination. It's going to be the body of Christ going after the presence. It cannot happen through, through happenstance. It cannot happen through just some kind of program where we're going to make this happen, this program or that. It's going to happen through obedience to doing God's word. And touching the manifest presence of God as a lifestyle. It's not just something that you do. You have a relationship with God every day of the week. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And I'm going to tell you something real quick. Some of y'all might stone me. Some of you religious folks. I don't have, and hear me out. I don't have a devotional time. This is me, okay? If you do do it. Praise God. You, you're fine. Not coming against it. Me personally, I don't have a time. Okay. From eight o'clock to nine o'clock. That's my Bible time. That's it. I've found that I tend to think that God is so real that I spend as much of the day as I can with him. Now that I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. Understand what I'm saying. That doesn't mean I'm just on my knees 24 hours a day praying. And, I mean, there are times of that. But what I've found is, is that God likes to go to the grocery store with you. <laughs> Some of you all need God to go to the grocery store with you. As <laughs> I've been in that Kroger, God help us all. <laughs> I found that God wants to go to your doctor's appointments. He wants to go out to eat with you. God wants to inhabit your home. It's not just a, oh, let me throw up my prayer for the day. Let me read my scripture for the day. It's keeping God in every aspect. Oh, I felt that break right there. Every aspect of your life, the manifest presence of God can follow you wherever you go. Why? Because we are the living, breathing tabernacle of God. We now carry the presence of God where we go. So now we have a responsibility to be the church 
and to walk in that anointing all the time. Amen? Not just on Sundays, but all the time. Young people, you go to school, you carry the presence of God with you. You carry the anointing. I'll tell you what, some of the most powerful uh, moments in, in our ministry that we've had have been outside of the church. To where we take that application, that, that laying in the presence of God and walking in that, just like that waitress that I told you about. That was from spending time with God. More and more rending our hearts to Him. The more we rend Him, the more we give to Him, understand the more that He cuts out of us, the more capacity we have for His presence. It's as easy as that. How do you receive from God? You just do. It's not hard. It's not something you think about. It's your spirit. Because the Bible says that we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now we've got to figure out the, the form and the way to do it. Look, I mean, I, I'm all about worship services. We had a great time this morning, praise and worship time. But all the time is praise and worship time. Amen. I worship God. Sometimes I'm just in the car and I just take a minute and say, Oh, Lord, I just love you. God, how are you doing? People next to me are probably like, But I just tend to find that the more time I spend with him, the higher up we go and the more lost I get. And, the, and I don't care about the things of the world. That's rending. Is your heart truly cut is all the lawlessness, all the coldness, the lovelessness, every priority out of order? Is your heart truly rendered to him to the point that he can use you fully? I'm not saying he doesn't use you fully. There's more. So, well, brother, I'm good. I have a... No, no, no. None of us are good. None of us are righteous. Come on. That's what Paul said. It's only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are made righteous and whole. And if that's the truth, then there's nothing you can do in and of yourself, in and of your hands, other than activate the word of God in your life, the presence of God. So, are you rendered to him today? Do you want to be? Do you want to go further in this thing? Do you want to see God move in this city and beyond? Cut your heart right now circumcise your heart lay yourself in pieces on the ground would you stand up with me for a moment in here I don't do real fancy altar calls this is real simple there's two parts to this first of all if you're in here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if I ask you, do you know where you're going right now? If you died, would you go to heaven or hell? Can you answer that question assuredly and say, I'm going to heaven because I repented of my sins and I believe in Jesus and I follow him every day. If you can't answer that question like that and you say to yourself, you know what? I'm not sure that I truly am saved. I've never repented of my sins, or maybe I've back, you know, gone backwards. First of all, today, this is for those of you that need to give your life over to Him, that need to, to uh, repent of your sins and let Jesus take over. 
If that's you right now, this is not a fancy, bow your head, close your eyes, don't want to embarrass you. We don't have time for that. We're in an urgent way here, church. We don't have time for, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to embarrass you. No, if you are in here today and you don't know Jesus, you need to get up to this altar call. You need to get up to this altar right now. Come on, right now. We aren't waiting. We aren't counting. Like right now. And I'm going to pray for you. Say, well, I'll be embarrassed. I'm embarrassed all the time. I'm, I, I get embarrassed about all kinds of things that I've done and said, and wrong things that I've done. That's called being human. But if you're in here today and you'd say, brother, I need you to pray for me. I need to know that I'm going to heaven. I want you to come up right now. And I'm not going to make this a big, long, drawn-out thing. I'm not here to pressure you. Because that wouldn't be truly rending your heart to him if I pressured you. That would be me pushing you. The second part then to this altar call is for everybody in here. Because I'm going to assume that everybody in here is saved, that you've repented of your sins and that you live for God. You may be saved, you may be going to heaven, but there's more. Some things need to come out of our lives so God can put more in, Pastor. We talked earlier this week and you made the statement even this morning I'm done with church I'm done with just same old same old church we need God to do something real for those of you that would say I want to rend my heart to him I'm going to invite you to come to this altar I'm not going to push you I'm not going to make you but I'm going to ask you to come up to these altars in just a moment and there'll be a time where you know, God willing, if the Lord releases, uh, I'll pray for people if that's all right, Pastor. Lay hands on people and pray for people. Um, and when I do, here's what I want you to do. Just receive. Say, well, are you going to want me to fall down or shake and do all that? I don't, look, if you do that, it happens. That's a reaction to the manifestation. Okay, that's a reaction. People react different ways if you stick your finger in a light socket. Amen? When you stick your fingers into the power source, people are going to react different ways. Some people are a little more nonchalant about it and go, whoo. Some people are going to go, wow. Some people are going, whoa, dance back and jump. I'm not looking for your reaction. But what I'm looking for is for you to receive. Whatever happens, happens. It doesn't, I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm in services all the time. I love it when people are out and the Holy Ghost falling on the ground and all that stuff. But that's not the focus. The focus is, is receiving from God the true power, the true manifestation of His presence. That's what I want to see. And a lot of people say, what is all that falling around? I just got to go this. What is all that falling around anyway, Pastor? What, what is up with these people falling down? Well, I had a great Michael Ivangood, my friend there that, that I'm connected with. He tells a story of someone that told him this one time, and it's a very theological answer to why people fall down. How many of you would like to know why people fall down in the Holy Ghost? You see people being prayed for and they fall out, right? What is that? Well, they can't stand up. That's the theological answer. 
drilling a hard. I mean, the priests could not enter the tabernacle whenever the glory of God entered. They fell down on their faces. They went, because your body sometimes cannot handle the, the weight, the kabod, the weighty presence of God. So sometimes your body just falls, it crumples. You say, well, what if it's fake? What? Once you quit worrying about that and just focus on receiving. Well, that woman over there, I know she got sin in her life and she's falling down. She's faking. Again, get the plank out of your eye, brother, sister, and focus on God. Maybe God wants to put you down. I'm just saying. I've spent more time on the floor than y'all. <laughs> Say it like Paul said. You know, I praise God. I speak in tongues more than y'all. I praise God. I, I'm on the floor all the time. And it's not a manufactured thing. I just, just receive God. And I don't care about who's looking. I don't care about all this stuff. I just receive. And as I'm laying there, I just let God pour into me whatever he's pouring in. And this is where it's got us. I mean, I'm not like some millionaire success story, but God's used us in some powerful ways. We're just vessels because of spending time on the, in the floor on the glory of God. Ooh, getting drunk in the Holy Ghost. So, well, that ain't uh, uh, godly either. Read the book of Acts. Get with me later. Take a pill in the morning. I want to invite you to these altars to receive from God. Some of you may just come and just bury your face in the altar. Some of you may just want to come and stand. But look, I want to challenge you today to come out of your seat. Say, well, brother, I could receive from my seat. Sure you can. Absolutely. But this is a challenge to you. Understand, to move your feet out of your seat and let God do something in your life. Move out of your comfort zone. Well, I'm one of those reserved Christians. Well, look, you can call yourself whatever you want. But whenever the Israelites were standing at the walls of Jericho, there were no reserved Jews. Amen. They all shouted. They all shouted in the walls. Bro, come on. They're already coming. I'm not going to twist your arm today. This is your choice. Just come and rend your heart today to God. Just get in the presence of the Almighty One and just receive of the presence. Come on, sissy.